Hi guys, and welcome back to Redcoat History, the podcast for lovers of British military history. Today is the first in a short series of episodes looking at the heroes of Rourke's Drift. It'll be an intermittent series. I'm going to do two or three episodes over the next few weeks, and then I may wait a bit for the next ones. But we'll get there. We'll cover all of the main characters eventually. I actually first made this as a video for my YouTube channel, but I've gone back through it, and I think it works perfectly well as a standalone podcast. So I really hope you do enjoy it, and if you're not already subscribed, please do so. Please write a review. It really helps others to find the channel. Rourke's Drift Mission Station. Around 140 British defenders, 4,000 Zulus charging towards them, and no hope of help coming. It was one of the epics of British military history, a stubborn, brilliant defence against a determined and aggressive foe. A few hours later, 11 men had been singled out for Britain's most prestigious medal, the Victoria Cross. We've all seen the film Zulu and have a vague idea of the story, but the film portrayed many of the real heroes incorrectly. Especially Hookie, the hard-drinking malingerer in the film, was actually a teetotaler who had just been singled out for bonus pay for his excellent service. Oh, not you again. Uh, yes, sir, Sergeant Reynolds, sir. It's, uh, it's me, I'm sir. The only trouble with your arm is you never do any work with it. But I digress. I'm not making a series of films to dive into all of the mistakes that Hollywood made, as they do in all war films, but instead to shine a light on the real heroes of Rourke's Drift. Who were those 11 men who won the Victoria Cross? Where did they come from and what happened to them after the battle? Who are you? John Chard, Royal Engineers. Bromhead, 24. And today we're learning about the officer commanding at Rourke's Drift, Lieutenant John Rouse Merriott Chard of the Royal Engineers. Next week we'll focus on Lieutenant Bromhead of the 2nd Battalion, 24 foot. But for now, let's get cracking. You might be forgiven for thinking that Charge must have been a thruster, a man of action who had always impressed his superiors and was clearly marked for greatness. But no, nothing of the sort. He actually seems to have been a bit of a plodder. In 1879 he was 31 years old. He trained at the Royal Military Academy in Woolwich and received his commission 11 years earlier. Since then he'd served in Bermuda and Malta, but he hadn't seen any action. In 1876 he had been posted to the 5th Company Royal Engineers and had subsequently deployed to South Africa with them at the end of 1878. It was at the head of a small group of sappers that he had found himself sent to Rourke's Drift to help fix the ponts over the Buffalo River. He had only been there three days when he received orders for his men to advance to Isandlwana to join Lord Chelmsford's central column. He went with them but was told he wasn't needed and on the morning of the battle he and his batman Sapper Robson returned to their tents by the river. At this point it seemed they would be missing out on all the action. And after returning to Rourke's Drift, Chard reported to Major Spalding, who was the commander of the mission station, which was now also a supply depot and hospital. He told him that he'd seen a large number of Zulus close to his Andwana, and that the drift could potentially be attacked. Spalding decided to head off to a village called Helpmakar, a few miles away, to try and rustle up a company of reinforcements that he'd been being promised for some time. 
Before Spalding left, he consulted his copy of the army list and discovered that Chard was actually senior to Lieutenant Bromhead, the other officer at the mission station. Spalding then left with the famous words, Chard, you will be in charge, though of course nothing will happen. As we all know, something did happen, and it was a pretty big something. When the Zulu attack started, Chard found himself commanding the entire defence. Luckily for him, he was supported by immense military talents in the form of Colour Sergeant Bourne of B Company, 2nd Battalion, 24 Foot, and James Langley Dalton of the Commissariat Corps. The fight for the mission station was a brutal one, often fought at close quarters. Chard, alongside Bromhead, led a spirited defence. His VC citation reads, For gallant conduct at the defence of Rourke's Drift, 22nd and 23rd of January 1879, the Lieutenant General reports that had it not been for the example and excellent behaviour of Lieutenants Chard, Royal Engineers and Bromhead 24th Regiment, the defence of Rourke's Drift would not have been conducted with the intelligence and tenacity which so eminently characterised it. The Lieutenant General adds that the success must in great measure be attributable to the two young officers who exercised the chief command on the occasion in question. There is no doubt in my mind that Chard and Bromhead deserved the VCs they were given. They were brave officers who, when called upon, did their duty brilliantly. But not everyone agreed, though, and they weren't considered great officers. Colonel Evelyn Wood said Chard was a useless officer, while Sir Garnet Wolseley, who was to later take command of the army in South Africa, described Chard as a stupid-looking fellow, though in fairness, Wolseley didn't like many people. So what happened to Chard after the battle? Well, once the battered remains of Lord Chelmsford's central column returned to the mission station, all of the survivors were forced to huddle inside the tiny compound. Chard was involved in building new, stronger defences, but the place was cramped and uncomfortable. There were no roofs left, and most of the men had to sleep out in the open. Soon, inevitably, sickness began to spread. Chard himself fell ill and nearly died from fever. In fact, some of the local papers reported that he had died. Eventually, though, he did recover, and he joined his unit in time for the second invasion of Zululand in June and July 1879. It was then he was nearly killed again when sentries outside Fort Nudigate, later nicknamed Fort Funk for obvious reasons, panicked and opened fire on an imaginary Zulu attack. They fired blindly into the dark, wounding a number of men and nearly hitting newly promoted Brevet Major Chard, who was outside the walls on picket duty with some of his men. Chard's death by friendly fire would have been a little bit embarrassing for the British Army to explain. Chard and his men then advanced with the column until the Battle of Alundi on July the 4th, where Zulu resistance was finally shattered for good. Despite becoming a favourite of Queen Victoria and a hero across the empire, after the end of the Zulu War, Chard seemed to drift between dull assignments before eventually winding up as Chief Royal Engineer for Perth in Scotland in 1896. Shortly after arriving, though, he was diagnosed with cancer of the mouth. His tongue was removed, but it wasn't enough to stop the spread, and he died a full colonel at his brother's house in Somerset on the 1st of November 1897. His funeral took place on the same week, with tributes and reefs from many notables of the day, including the Deputy Adjutant General of the Royal Engineers and even Queen Victoria herself. She had even included a card in her own handwriting that said... A mark of admiration and regard for a brave soldier from his sovereign. And so Chard was laid to rest at the church of St John the Baptist in Hatch Beecham. His grave can still be visited today, though sadly I haven't had a chance to go there. It's somewhere I'd love to visit to pay my respects. One day. Mm -hmm.
So there you have it, guys. Thank you very much. A very brief look at the life of Chard, the hero, the commander at Rourke's Drift. Soon, probably next week, hopefully, we'll get an episode out about Lieutenant Brumhead. I know it's spelled Brumhead, pronounced Brumhead, at least that's my understanding. So I think you'll really enjoy that if you enjoyed this one. We're keeping them short, we're keeping them concise. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will be on the march again soon.